Well, good morning, church. How we doing? This morning, we are diving back into our series that we are calling Encounters with King Jesus. And we launched this, this series last week. And the thing about this series is we said it's all about the kingdom, which is the reign and the rule and the reality of God. And so in these next couple of weeks through this Encounters with King Jesus series, we're going to look at how this reality plays out in and through the life of Christ. And then in a couple weeks, a month or so, we're going to jump and look at the, probably the most popular sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and how, how that kingdom reality is supposed to be an ever-increasing reality in our own lives. And I don't know if I said it last week, and if I did, it bears repeating that it is my hope that through this series that every one of us will get a laser-like focus on the stunning beauty of Christ. Because your ability to see the beauty of Jesus, if you can see that, if you can't see that, if you won't see that, that has very direct implications on your life and the choices that you make in your life in 2018. This morning, we're actually looking at two encounters that Jesus has with some individuals coming out of the book of John. Two very different encounters or encounters with two very different people. And there's something for us to see by looking at these side by side. And as we, as we read through these encounters, I'm going to need your help. There's two things that I, that I want you to help me with. The first is, what can we learn about the person that Jesus encounters? So we're going to come back to this. So I need you to pay attention to the scriptures as we read, because I'm going to need your help with that first question. And then secondly, what does Jesus offer in these encounters? All right, so you understand your assignment? All right, whether you understand it or not, here we go. For some context, starting in John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well uh, about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, and I love this verse. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're better than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And so this woman, thinking that Jesus is simply a prophet, asks Jesus about the temple where, where people should worship, be that the, the temple in Jerusalem or there was a temple in Samaria. And Jesus says to her, in essence, that the day is coming where worship won't be confined to a temple. The encounter continues, dropping down to verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So if we hop back to our our first question, right? What can we learn about the person, in this case, this Samaritan woman that Jesus encounters? Help me out with this. What did you see coming out of our, our, our story? What's that? Yeah, so we can say that uh, she's got a history with men. Yeah, so, so we can capture that. So let's say she is excluded, rejected, ostracized. So let me ask you this. Remember this heat wave that we had about two weeks ago? How many of us were out working in the middle of the day in that heat? Can I see your hands? All right, for those of us that have our hands raised, would you have chosen, if you had a choice, would you have chosen to be out in the middle of the day in that heat? So, so, all right, some of us may be a little bit freaky, right? We're like, yeah, I love the heat. (laughs) But for most of us, right, we would save the heavy lifting to a, a cooler part of the day. And so the fact that this woman is at this well at noontime tells us something about her. She's been pushed to the margins of village life. She's avoiding people, right? There's some scandal that surrounds this woman. So we can actually use the word scandalous as well. You're doing good. What else did you see? How about the fact that she's a Samaritan? Right, Samaritans did not play well as a people group with the, the people group that Jesus belongs to. There are ethnic differences. There are religious differences. How about the fact that she's a woman? Right, this is a patriarchal society. And, and, so, and so because of her history with men, she's got no one to advocate for her. Women in this society have no power. But something else that we can capture here, that she is powerless. All right, so let's look at our list. Right, history with men, excluded, ostracized, scandalous, belongs to the wrong people group. She's a woman, she's powerless, You guys did good with this list. Let's do the same thing for this encounter that we see coming out of John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 
It says there was, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man get back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. And then Jesus explains that humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So if we hop back to our question, very same question, what can we learn about the person, in this case Nicodemus, what can we learn about the person that Jesus encounters? What did you see? Yeah, right, so he comes at night. So he is, and how do we say that in three words? He is searching, right? He's concerned, he's searching. What else? Right, he's a religious ruler. So a couple things there, right? The fact that he is religious, right? We need to capture that, right? He, he's a Pharisee, which means he is all about the rules, Right? The fact that he's a ruler, verse 10, we didn't read this verse, but it says that, that he is a respected teacher. Right? So, so Nicodemus actually belongs to the, the Jewish religious supreme court. Right? If the Samaritan woman has no power, Nicodemus has lots of power. So I just threw a lot at you there, Matt. Right? So power, and he's Jewish, which means he belongs to the same group that Jesus belongs to. We can capture that. And just the fact that, that he's a dude in a, in a patriarchal society. So let's add man to that list. There we go. All right, so this list here, right? Searching, religious, Pharisee, he's respected. He's Jewish, right? There's power in his position. He's a man. So we've got two lists here, two, two very different lists. Do you see what's happening with our lists? Right? The, the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus have, have very little in common. Right? If we go off of these descriptions that you and I just captured here, right, and we create, we create a scale, a, a spectrum, the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus are on absolute opposite ends of this spectrum. The Samaritan woman, someone who's been pushed to the margins of a village life, in and out of relationships, a history with men, some scandal surrounds her, no real power. And then Nicodemus at, at the other end of the spectrum, a man who belongs to all the right groups, has, has all the religious credentials, living a very moral life, has lots of power. Right? These two people, as we have captured on these lists, have so little in common. They are, are so different, but they both need the very same thing. Which gets us to our second question. What does Jesus offer in these encounters? If, if I pull back some verses that highlight the answer for us, 
right? In John chapter 4, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring with them, giving them eternal life. And then jumping to John 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answers, humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So the answer to our question, what does Jesus offer in these encounters? Life. So the Samaritan woman, right, regardless of their different genders and ethnicities and religious credentials or lack thereof, or status, whether, whether being powerful or powerless, regardless of their pasts, regardless of their wins, regardless of their failures, regardless of all of that, Jesus reaches into it and through it and says to both that they need the very same thing. The thing that Jesus brings to both of these very different people is new life. And so if the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus are on opposite sides of our spectrum, and as different as they are, they both need a Jesus-infused life. What does this say to us who will find ourselves someplace on that spectrum? If both the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus need life, that means that everyone, that you and I need the life that only Christ offers. And that's the forever life that Jesus brings when we step into relationship with him, but that's also a new kind of life that is available to you in the here and now of this very moment. And so that takes this conversation in two different directions. So given our size of the number of people sitting in this room and our our diversity of who we are on a Sunday morning, that there are people in this room right now who have never said yes to Christ's offer of new life. Who have never said yes to a forever relationship with Jesus. Whether your story is more like that of the Samaritan woman or more like that of Nicodemus, whether you are more of a rule breaker or a rule follower, no matter your story, you need Christ. That for your sin, God offers forgiveness. That, that for your guilt, God offers mercy. That, that for your shame, God offers grace. That for your brokenness, God offers healing. That Jesus Christ came to this earth to be one of us, to live a perfect life, to die for us as the sacrifice for our sins, that we might have a relationship with God. That offer of forever life, just like it was for Nicodemus, just like it was for the Samaritan woman, is available to you as an absolutely free gift, if you will admit that you are a sinner, Ask for God's forgiveness and turn to Christ. If you've never experienced that that 
forever relationship, if you've never stepped into that forever relationship with Jesus, that can be yours today. So that's one direction this conversation needs to go in. The other direction is this. For many of us, maybe for most of us, just because we're not sitting in a Burger King or a Home Depot, we are in church on a Sunday morning. But many of us have entered into that forever relationship with God. We have turned to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Yet this new life, the, the, the life offered to the Samaritan woman, the new life offered to Nicodemus, this isn't just forever life. This is a new kind of Jesus-infused life available to you in the here and now. The way that Jesus describes this life comes to us out of John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, My purpose is to give them Christ's sheep, Christ's followers, you and I. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Maybe your Bible uses the word abundant there, abundant life. Maybe your Bible uses the word full there, a full life. Yet I wonder for how many of us we would use those words, rich and satisfying and abundant and full, that we would use those words to describe our relationship with Jesus. Again, because of of the number of people that we have in this room and the diversity of who we are on a Sunday morning, I know that there are people sitting here right now and and you are in a relationship with Christ, but you would be hard-pressed to use these words. Rich, satisfying, abundant, full. You would be hard-pressed to use these words to describe your relationship Christ. Maybe you're asking, where is this abundant life? Where is this rich life? This certainly not my experience right now. Maybe your relationship with God feels stale. Maybe your relationship with God is on autopilot. It's there, but there is not much intentionality going into that. Maybe your relationship with God just feels busy right now. Maybe your relationship with God is is confusing. You're not really sure what God is up to in your life. Maybe your relationship with God feels frustrating, and so you are frustrated with God. Maybe your relationship with, with God feels dry. Maybe you are facing some difficult things in your life right now, and you are not sure where God is in that. Maybe your relationship with God is quiet. Maybe God has gone quiet on you, and and I'm just scratching the surface with these maybes. And a lot of these are feeling-based. And so feelings change. Feelings can be tricky. Feelings can deceive us. But you know what feelings are good for? They make excellent windows. Feelings are opportunities to take the way that we feel and to talk to God about that. 
And so if you're here this morning and you're thinking rich, satisfying, that's not how I would describe my relationship with God. Where is this new life? This new kind of life that I see in John chapter 3 and John chapter 4. That's you this morning. Where do you go with that? What do you do with that? Because you've got three basic options. Option one is you walk away. I'm out. Option two, and my gut tells me that this would describe how a lot of us respond to this, is you enter into a sort of holding pattern where, where, where you attempt to ride out your present experience, thinking, I guess that this is all that there is. I guess that this is what it is until I get to heaven. And option three is you go to God and you talk to him about what you are experiencing. I'm reading this book right now, and it's by a guy named James Martin. With that last name, I can guarantee you, though, he's not Mennonite. He writes this. In the Gospels, Jesus often meets people in the midst of their busy lives and their questions and their fears and their doubts. Peter mending his nets by the seashore, Matthew sitting at at his tax collector's booth, just as often he encounters people when they're at their absolute worst. An adulterous woman about to be stoned, a woman who has been sick for many years, a possessed man not even in his right mind. In each of these situations, God said to these people, busy, stressed out, worried, frightened, with their questions and fears and doubts, I'm ready to meet you if you are ready to meet me. And so if you are here this morning going, where is this abundant life? Where is this rich and satisfying life? God is wanting to meet you in the middle of that if you're ready to meet him. If this new life that Jesus offers the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus, if that feels like it is eluding you, man, this is where where preaching gets hard. Because there is not a one-size-fits-all answer for this. If you're telling me that, that God feels quiet, it's very possible that God is quiet because he is doing a deeper work within you because he's looking to build maturity within you. If you say, man, God, my relationship with him feels like it's on autopilot, maybe the response there is that you need to to pour some intentionality into that relationship. So one size fits all does not work for, for a conversation like this. But let me give you this. And it's something that I scribbled down as I was as I was preparing for today. I wrote this down a couple of days ago because man, I struggled with, with where to take the end of this conversation. But this is what I wrote. During our time on a Sunday morning, I don't want to simply talk about encounters with Jesus. I want to encounter Jesus. I want us to encounter Jesus. I want you to encounter Jesus. And because I don't know where you're at, 
I don't know what your relationship with Christ is like. I don't know if your relationship with Jesus is rich and satisfying or anything, but I want to create some space for us this morning to talk to God about where you're at, and I'm going to give us two prayer prompts to help us with that. The first is, guys, show me the parts of my life where I need to encounter this new life that we see in John 3 and John 4, this new life that Jesus offers. And God, what do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to be in response to these these things that you are showing me? And so this is how we're going to end. I'm going to create some space for us to take these directly to God. I'm going I'm to pray some parameters around us, and then I'm going to give you some space to pray on your own. Won't you pray with me? I'm going to start by just giving you a few moments of silence. If you're distracted, you've got other stuff running through your head, I invite you just to let that go in this moment. As you come to God with these points on this screen, recognize that God is here right now. That God is present here right now. I was reading Psalm 139 this morning. There is nowhere that you can go that God is not. God is right here, right now, in this space, and he welcomes you. He welcomes your prayer. He wants to talk to you. And you, what's it look like for you to to, to come and to be present to God as a living sacrifice like we see in Romans chapter 12? Coming to him in surrender, choosing to lay down your life, choosing to offer your life to him. And as we come, we come because of Jesus. That we can come to God and talk in this way because of Christ. And your identity, if you are a follower of Jesus, that is your identity. It is who you are. It's why you can ask these big, heavy questions because you are loved. Grace has been freely poured out upon you. Mercy is yours. You are, are, are welcomed into God's family. God's arms to you are open wide. You are free. So with reminding yourself of who you are because of Jesus, I'm gonna give you some space here. How, how do you find, as you look at these questions on the screen, how, how do you find yourself? Do you want this new kind of life? Do you want to hear from God? Are you hungry to hear from God? Maybe you're bored and just want to get out of here. You want to get to lunch. Maybe you have your doubts about this. 
But tell God honestly how you feel right now. You don't have to hide anything, play any games, fake anything because he already knows. And then as we come to these points on the screen, God, show us. What would you have us see? What would you have us do? How would you have us to respond as we bring these points to you? And I invite you to take these two prompts, put these into your own words if that's helpful, but bring these two points to God. Talk to God. Listen to God, listen to God in these next few moments.